Welcome to the Making Headway Podcast, a podcast for brain injury survivors by brain injury survivors, providing resources and camaraderie for anyone recovering from any type of brain injury. Welcome back to Making Headway Podcast. This is Erin. And today I am with Michelle Rusk. Um, she is joining us from Coastal Speech Therapy and Wellness, her own clinic. Um, she works out of Virginia and North Carolina, but also sees health coaching patients globally. So um, she's very well versed. Um, she is a speech therapist by trade, but the health coaching part allows her to be a little more holistic and really pull in um, that whole body experience and look at areas that maybe your doctor and your therapist aren't looking at. So mm -hmm. she offers something really unique to the community and I'm really excited to have her on. Um, I think we're going to learn a lot today. Welcome, Michelle. Thanks. Thank you, Erin. Thanks for having me. Hello, everybody. Hello. Um, so let's delve right in. Um, maybe we can start by talking about how your journey um, from speech therapy ended up into wellness and you yeah. know, wherever you want to start the story. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I'll try to keep it brief. So all right. <laughs> I started, I've been a practicing speech therapist now for over 14 years. And I started in the acute care. I'm right out of grad school, went straight into med surge and acute care and learned a ton. If you have the opportunity to ever, you know, if you're in the medical field and have the opportunity to learn in an actual hospital, it's just, it's amazing. The, the amount of information that you get. It's med surge in a hospital. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it really you is. You have to have it. Yes, you do. It's like the basis for everything. It is. Yeah. I completely agree. And it's where you know, the acute injury happens, but it's also where healing begins. So, and I think that thinking of the whole thing also needs to shift because I think instead of, you know, doctors and nurses and therapists and everyone else that comes into your room when you're in the hospital is like, well, this is, you know, this is what's happened. This is what wrong, what, what's wrong. We need to also start looking at it, at it from the perspective of, it is the, actually the beginning of healing. So just kind of flipping it more to um, a positive aspect rather than focusing on those negatives, which is something that I really do with a lot of my patients and with my wellness clients. So I do that with my patients all the time, too, because we get so focused on the past. Yes that we turn the patient from a person into a condition. Yes. Something that's wrong. Yes. And it makes being the patient now that I've been on the patient side of it, that is the most awful position to be in because nothing you say or do is ever going to be good enough. Yes. And I learned that early on because when, when you're a young speech therapist and you're walking into these patients rooms that can't speak, they can't eat or drink, um, cause that's typically what we focus on as speech therapists in the med surge. Like these patients are in the most acute phase of their, you know, their stroke or their traumatic brain injury, whatever it is that has happened to them. And when I would start addressing them, when I first started as a speech therapist, I was like, this isn't working. Like how I've been taught is not working. And I learned quickly to shift out of that and come at my patients with just more grace and an open mind and things that they wanted to talk about, things that, you know, they wanted that they truly, truly needed help with. So it, it really does make a, a really big difference when you approach it that way. It's huge. Yep. Um, you're still a person, even if you're in a bed. Yeah. And I, and my philosophy is to approach them as you would your own mother or father or as your exactly. own, as your own family member. Um, and unfortunately I think we see so little of that, but yeah, you know, and we could go on. That's a whole, episode that is, yes, um, it is. I have lots of theories for why this occurs. Yeah. And our system is not built around allowing us to treat people with grace and compassion because yeah. we have too many things 
crammed into a 12 hour shift. Yes. Which is also horrific. Don't add uh, 12 hours. Who can work for 12 hours? It's awful. And it really is. It. No, <laughs> not it's, many. No, it's, it is. It's, I mean, uh, t- talk about adrenal overload, <laughs> which is. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, All right, so how did you transition? How did you pivot out of this rat race? Yes. So, um, from the acute care, I then started to branch out into outpatient and inpatient and even skilled nursing. So I really wanted to learn all the phases of recovery and I got such good insight from that. But along the way, I got sick and I was starting to have my own health issues and my issues were coming more from what felt like an autoimmune, something autoimmune was happening to my body. And I couldn't, I mean, I was just getting sicker and sicker and I was going from doctor to doctor to doctor, kind of just being passed around. Passed around. Yep. (laughs) I know that. (laughs) (laughs) And, and still not getting any answers. So I decided, okay, I'm going to do my own homework. And I started researching and find out that many of my symptoms actually aligned with whether it's celiac disease, whether it's gluten intolerance, many of my symptoms, which are most of the time autoimmune symptoms that we get. Um, and I decided to completely take it out of my diet. I went cold Turkey and that was hard. Um, but I just, in so much. it is, it is. And this was years ago. So it was even harder back then when I was doing it because it's, I think it's a little bit easier now to kind of make that switch because there's a lot more variety and choices. But when I was making that switch, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what am I going to eat? I grew up with a grandmother with celiac disease mm. in the eighties. Right. Oh, so what gosh. did she eat? Like, I remember all she would eat would be like rice checks and rice um, crackers, you know, those big wafery things. Mm-hmm. Um, that was her bread. And she would have that every meal. And then she'd have rice at dinner. And that mm. was it. It was just rice, rice, no, rice, rice, no rice, vegetables, rice. no fruit. See, we've learned like, well, we- I mean, she did, but I mean, as far as like gluten stuff, like yeah. her side was some form of rice. Yeah. Yeah. So at a young age, I really learned how to love rice crackers with butter on them. Yeah. Really, really good. They are. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> but that's what spurred me into my whole wellness journey. And what I started to connect was because I was suffering from brain fog and I was suffering from mood, a lot of mood instability and mood issues myself. When I was younger, I wasn't connecting the dots, but when I was a teenager, I was getting ovarian cysts, which is directly connected to PCOS. So I didn't know any of this until I became an adult and I started really diving into all of this information. That changed my, literally changed my life. Like I literally got my wellness back and I was just thinking about it one day and I was like, well, if this has had such a huge impact on me, why are we not educating some of the most fragile populations out there about how wellness, whole body wellness can really help them? So especially me as a speech therapist specializing in brain injury, and then along the way decided to really dig into hormones. Um, I met a really fantastic mentor and um, we got to talking and she was like, you really need to take my course because there's a whole connection between, you know, the brain cognition and hormones. And I was like, And that was like the key right there. That was, that was it for me when I really started to learn about truly how hormones run our brains. Um, you know, I just went head first in and now I'm a Dutch test practitioner and I help on the wellness side of my business with those that really want to 
discover what's going on with my hormones and make that connection with this could be potentially why you feel so burned out. This could be potentially why you're having these mood swings, um, even more so now after your brain injury than even before. So it's kind of like this full circle journey kind of that I, that I went through my own, my own journey of growth kind of is, is a good way to look at it for me to land where I am now to have my own, my own business where I can serve others in the same way. If you or someone, you know, is struggling to recover after brain injury, like a stroke, take a free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to see if their robots can help boost your recovery. If you are struggling with stroke recovery, take the free online assessment at modusnova.com forward slash making headway to learn if Modus can help you recover. And a quick shout out to our sponsor, Headache Nutritionist. Be sure to check her out at www.headachenutritionist.com. Generous sponsors like Susanna and donations are what keep us on air. Thank you. I hear you, sister. Mm -hmm. I mean, even before my brain injury, I was on a quest. I'm a nursing leader and I was on a quest to address our cognitively impaired patients because that population in an inpatient setting, I believe, is highly underserved. Very. Um, You know, you're throwing in dementia patients. You're getting patients who are developing delirium while they're in the hospital and they're the hardest ones to care for. They have Mm -hmm. the longest lengths of stay and we are not equipped. So it's kind of funny that then I get a brain injury where my cognition is affected. And now I'm like on this even bigger quest because you understand it. It's like when to become the patient yourself, you understand it from a elemental level of how how those system issues really affect the person. Yeah. Um, you know, when I look at it as a nurse leader, it's easy to see the stats and the data and the, oh, yeah, this number's gotten worse, this number's gotten better. But when you can understand it from that person level, it really puts a foot up your ass to do something about it. Yep. It needs to get better. Yes. Um, so I commend you for going out on this limb. Um, you know, opening a private practice must have been pretty scary, especially with our insurance climate. Um, how, how is that going for you? Um, so it's, it is going well. I currently, I, I, and, and I don't take insurance. So my rates are reasonable because, you know, I understand that it's hard. Like once you have a brain injury and then you have all the medical bills on top of that, that's a lot. So many. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's a lot. So I'm definitely willing to, you know, work with my clients to help them see, see it through and be able to actually get the Dutch test. And, you know, so we can start that plan and that protocol and check, just check out their hormones and see what's actually going on and then work on, I not only work on one of the things that I love about my wellness practice. And we were talking about this before we started, we went live about how the impact from a brain injury is, is vast. And, and I really think it's so under, um, it's just really brushed under the rug. I think a lot of the times, because somebody that comes to you that even has a mild brain injury, they can still exhibit and feel symptoms. Um, And I think so many times a lot of the allopathic, the just the traditional doctors, here's a pill. This is, you know, this is all I know. Go home and you should be okay. Give it some time. And what a lot of my patients say, well, over time, I'm not getting any better. You know, this is frustrating. I'm not getting any better. And in fact, I think I'm actually, I may be getting worse. Um, and it's because, well, first of all, it, I always question, like my, my thing is, is if you can help yourself naturally, if you could, you know, have a protocol that could help you 
without having to take a bunch of pills. Now, I'm not saying I'm not a medicine person because I am. I think medicine absolutely has its place, but I do think that it's overused. Um, I agree. I think it's way overused. And, and, and I think that there needs to be a mind shift there as well. I think that we need to see if if the person can respond to more natural means rather than just handing them a pill and saying, you know, here you go and out the door 15 minutes later. Um, well, that's what our system's set up to do, right? Uh, yep. I mean, you, when you go to your PCP, how much time do you have with your doctor? 15 minutes, maybe 30 if you're a new patient or if yep. you have a ton going on. Yeah. But that's all. Like, it's not yeah. like they're sitting in their office reading your chart. They literally are thrown in to see you. 15 minutes to figure it all out and to put you on something Yeah, because that's all they have time for. They don't have time to counsel. They don't have time to really dig in. And that is at the detriment of all of our health. No. And and pills will not solve it all. No, it won't. And, and I think what I, one of the reasons that I went on my own and I opened my own practice is because I wanted the ability to be able to, not have the constraints of insurance dictating every little thing that I was doing. Um, because unfortunately they do, you know, like you said, that is how the system is set up. And that's why the, the appointments are so short, you know, because you have this amount of time to see your patients. This is how much time is billable by the insurance. After that, it falls, you know, typically back on the patient. So it's just a huge, um, burden that is really within our medical system right now. And the only answer that I had was to open my own practice because I just couldn't, I I just said, I I was like, well, I'm not going to get anywhere in this because this is, Literally, I, I I don't I one of my favorite words is shit show. Because <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, I was like, I'm, there's nowhere I'm going to get anywhere in this mess. It, it, there, there's so much uh, politics that's involved. There's so much uh, red tape that is involved that this is just not how. This is not what I want to be involved in. Um, so it was. I mean, it, it was. It was a big jump, a leap of faith, but I love it and I'm glad that I did it. So yeah. I can see you literally glowing. Like your <laughs> eyes tell me like, this is, this is it. Like yeah. you found your passion. Yeah. Um, so driving back to hormones, mm-hmm. um, we are going to get a little educational here. Yeah. Um, we had an episode with a neuroendocrinologist from Virginia actually. Um, um, and nice. we went way in depth. Um, I think it was it was a hard show for probably a lot of people to listen to because we got very clinical and mm-hmm. I loved it. I'm such a nerd. I loved but it too. I, I listened to it. It was amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's good. But I can see how for someone who doesn't have any medical background, that was probably a hard show to listen to. Yeah. Um, so can we take a further bird's eye view of it and maybe give an idea of how, you know, how are hormones connected? Why should we be thinking about this? You know, should we all be running to our doctor and saying, I need an endocrinology appointment? Like what? how can we make this more, um, attainable to our listeners? Yeah, I think that's a great question. So the first thing that I want to say is, like I said earlier, if there is a way that some, maybe not all, but some of the issues can be resolved with just making lifestyle and dietary changes, I think it makes it really worth it to look at hormones, um, just because of the way that our brain is set up. So your brain literally runs on hormones, um, and it does directly affect the prefrontal cortex. Okay. So the prefrontal cortex is literally the front part of, of our brain. Okay. And that is like your boss. It's your, your boss's, the boss of your brain. It's your brain supervisor. And you do everything in there, all of your executive functions. So you're doing things in there like your focus, your attention, your planning, your organizing, your thinking, reasoning, problem solving. Um, 
what happens a lot of the times is when you have a brain injury because of typically this is typically like when you hit your head or and you have that contra coup effect which is the the hit from the front to the back your brain moves inside of your skull so and you have these bony prominences on the inside of your skull so it's not smooth so your brain is, you know, moving and it's juggling around in there. So there's bound to be some sort of scarring on the inside. Typically, we see most of the scarring at the front. And your entire brain, though, is connected through these nerve bundles. And there, there are nerve bundles that run from the prefrontal cortex. So, you know, the executive boss of your brain housing all of those very important daily functions. I forgot to mention judgment and safety too, are two really, really big ones that the, that, that frontal, the frontal lobe controls. So these nerve bundles, they run from the prefrontal cortex through to other organs or glands of your brain, like your pituitary or your hypothalamus. So your hypothalamus is where these it's, I call it the hormone hub. So that's the part of the brain that starts to shoot off all the messages that says we need to send this hormone here, that hormone here. This one needs to go at this time. I think one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is your hormones literally change by the minute every single day. It's it's like females. Yeah. Long, long cycle. Yes, because we have not only do we have the regular hormones that, you know, our bodies excrete, but then we also have the we the other sex hormones. Right. So I think a lot of people think of hormones as it's all about sex. It's not. Um, There's so much more in hormones that it's not just all about sex. Yes, we have, you know, sex hormones and that all is run by our brain as well. But it's also we're also talking about the HPA axis, which is your hypothalamic, your pituitary and your adrenal. So your stress hormones as well. So I don't want to dive too much into that because I know she really, she really talked about that, but it's never just a female or a male thing when it comes to hormones. I think a lot of times hormones get the rap that it's female, female, female. It's also a male thing. Um, and one of the things that I see more often is females are more willing to talk about it. Males don't really want to talk about it. Um, so you kind of hit a, you kind of hit a stone wall, but sometimes they're willing to, to kind of open up about, you know, what it is that is bothering them um, or what it is that they're feeling. So It's all really directly interconnected. Are you finding it hard to recover at home after a stroke? Modus Nova makes robotic devices to help folks with a brain injury regain the use of their affected limbs. Recovery after stroke takes thousands of hours of work that isn't all covered in outpatient therapy. Whether you're 10 days or 10 years post-stroke, recovery is still possible. You just need many hours of rehab to make that happen. The Modus hand or foot are AI-powered robotic exoskeletons that help users do exercises through the playing of video games, similar to the way an occupational or physical therapist might work with your limb. Recovery after stroke is hard because stroke survivors don't get enough hours of rehab to regain function. Find out if Modus Nova can help you by taking their free online assessment at modusnova.com slash making headway. Modus Nova helps survivors with little or no movement get moving again. They help you get in the repetitions you need to form new neural pathways. Through playing video games, the robotic hand and foot can assist with limb movements to provide a personalized exercise experience. If this sounds like something you want to try, 
visit modusnova.com slash making headway to learn more. Make sure to use special code making headway when you sign up and get a month free with the 30 day challenge. Visit modusnova.com slash making headway to get started. That's M O T U S N O V A dot com slash making headway. So it's, it's funny that you mentioned males being less likely to tell you what you're feeling. I mean, if you think about society, um, with males and females and how, um, even from a fetus, you know, a female is expected to be one thing and a male is expected to be another, like think of the presence that you get them and so, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Men are not trained to be in touch with their feelings at all. You know, they're supposed to not cry. You know, you fall down. Don't cry. You're a boy. Like you're, you're a boy. You're a strong boy. Go out and play football and get hit in the head and just don't, don't cry. You know, like, so men, you know, it's not to their, it's not, you know, there's a lot of men that are opening up to it and realizing how much society is putting on them to be so closed, but it's not their fault. Right. Um, I think they're just not really trained to know what they're feeling or to be able to put words to what they're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I do, I definitely do agree with that. And I agree that it is kind of a, um, social issue that has, that has definitely happened along the way. Now that is not to say though, that men's brains physiologically are very different from women's. Um, and you know, and we see that just with, science, um, their hormones, they definitely have different hormones. They're regulated by different hormones than females. Everybody knows men have higher levels of testosterone. Uh, women have higher levels of estrogen. So I think it just there, but I do agree with you that I think that there needs to be some sort of, I call it emotional intelligence that kind of needs to happen. Um, I have two sons myself and my younger son, he's my little firecracker and he tends to definitely just like, let it go when he's angry. Like, that's it. Like he just lets it go. And everybody in the house knows that he is pissed off because that is, that's, that is how he tends to just let out his emotions. You know, he's letting out that stress of, okay, you, you, just made me really angry. And in a lot of times I, I don't turn around and really, I have to tell him as a parent, Hey, chill out. Like you need to like calm down. And, and then after the fact, a lot of times when I know that he's kind of in his state of chill, I'll go and talk to him and I'll be, you know, and I'll ask him more of, okay, so what, you know, what happened and you know, what made you feel, what made you feel that way? And then we kind of talk through it and we talk through those feelings and those emotions. Um, and it really does help him. He's seven now, and I've been doing that for a while, but it really does kind of help him see through those feelings and those emotions that he is, that he's experiencing. So I think for sure, emotional intelligence is definitely something that we do need to, we need to instill more even in males. It seems to definitely come easier with females. We are more intuitive. Um, we're trained from the get go that females are the caregivers mm -hmm. and be looking out for other people's needs. Yeah. Um, you know, you even get like the, the well-being dad. I just heard this example of when, um, the wife's pregnant, you know, what do you want a boy or a girl? And, you know, some of the dads will be like, I want a girl and they think they're so woke by being a girl. And then they follow up with, because I want someone to take care of me or, you know, that little girl is just going to be so sweet and loving. Um, you know, it's well-being, but you're already on a fetus putting what they need to be. Yeah. And it's just, it's not so. <laughs> you don't know what that girl's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I know that's a bunny trail, but it's just... It's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, yeah. Set people up. I think. I think the 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 point is is when the child is born. I think you just need to follow their lead. 
Um, you know, if they're like, and that is one thing that my own son has taught me because we have four kids and they all have very different personalities. Um, and I've had to literally follow the lead on each separate personality, like parenting, how I parent one kid is not how I can parent the other because they're, they're, they're wired, they're wired differently. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to see how that works. Um, okay. So that all kind of ties back to when I look at a patient or a client and they come to me and they tell me, Hey, you know, these are my struggles and this is what's going on. Um, I look at the, there are four very specific aspects. So biological and social, psychological and spiritual. Okay. Um, and I think those four things, it ties in because as kids, We need to be raising kids. It doesn't matter if they're a boy or a girl, but we need to be raising them with some sort of level of intelligence, you know, around those four aspects of our being. And um, so biological is literally just your organs, your glands, how you're sleeping. Are you getting proper sleep? Are you getting proper nutrition uh, nutrition or your exercise regimen, right? So just kind of the basic biological functions of your day. Now, biological also crosses over with chemical, because if we're talking about organs and glands, we're talking about the hormones and how the hormones are released and how they are doing their functions as they should be doing on a day to day, minute by minute, second by second basis, because hormones happen all day long and all night long. Um, the social aspect is just your social environment and your relationship with others. Um, I, I find that this is probably one of the biggest impacts that my patients experience are social impacts with personal relationships, friendships, love life, because what ends up happening is they'll tell me I lost my friends after you know, I suffered my stroke or I suffered my brain injury. Um, and when we kind of quickly become a new person, yeah, your friendships and relationships all change. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of it is just kind of lack of understanding on one part. And then I think the duality on the other side is growth on, Mm -hmm. you know, on the part of the person that has had the injury. So it's like this, um, it's like this dual social, um, impact that's happening all at once. And it's not easy. I mean, it, it is, it's not hard. It's, it's not easy. And a lot of them really do struggle with, with that aspect of it. And it could be attributed to things like when you go to a restaurant, it's loud. You know, one of the biggest complaints that I get is I cannot focus. Like it's too overwhelming. There's too much stimulation that's going on. I get headaches um, or the lights are too loud. The, the lights are too bright. All of those things seem to really um, impact their life from before and then after. So I can tell you a real life example. Um, I tried to go to a restaurant. I was recently down in Florida um, when we first met. Mm -hmm. Um, I was down there and I went, we went shopping, which is a huge trigger for me because those big box stores um, have so much subliminal advertising and your mind's pulled all these different ways. So I was already a little bit triggered, but I was ready for it. And we went to a restaurant after. And talking about the things that get you, like, yes, lots of people talking around. The ceiling and the walls were painted black. So it literally felt like everything was like oh, coming in. in at you. And it was very strange. And mm-hmm. then the music, um, it was an Asian restaurant, which I'm not trying to be, um, I'm not trying to 
put down Asian restaurants. No, of course not. But I've noticed in a lot of restaurants, they play covers to songs. So it's like different people singing a familiar song, but they don't have the rights to the song. So like the background is different. Mm -hmm. So the whole soundtrack part of it, the tempo wasn't right for the right song. And that like all those sensations were messed me up so bad. I literally had to get up and leave the restaurant because it was just too overstimulating. Yeah. You know, anything that could have been grounding, I didn't. I literally felt like I was floating in space in there. Um, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, like restaurants were my life. That's what Troy and I do. We go out and we eat. We spend money on food and wine. So that's what we do. <laughs> and now it's like, I can't go to a restaurant. <laughs> At least not that type of restaurant. And that's a, that is a really, really good example. And, and I think the triggers also for everyone, this is never like a one, you know, shoe fits everybody because the triggers for everybody is very, very different. Um, and it's, it's the reports are definitely just that, like, it's really hard. Like it literally changed how I functioned before. And now I have to really reevaluate or really ask myself before I go and do something, do I really want to do that? Like I'm, I'm going to put myself in that kind of, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the social, the, the social impact is a really big one. And then the, uh, psychological impact with self-talk, self-worth and body image that also tra- it changes drastically a lot of the times mm-hmm. after, you know, after your brain injury and, there are, you know, you'll go through phases of that self-talk and that self-work with, with the struggles. Um, you know, if, if there, there's a lot of struggles and, um, whether it's, you're having trouble getting your words out, finding your words. It could be, um, just engaging in a functional conversation. It could be, you lost the function of an arm or you lost the function of, you know, your leg and your ability to walk the way that you used to. So there's, there's so, there's so many, but all of that goes back to affecting that psychological aspect of who you are. So huge. Yeah. And it causes, I think, anxiety and depression. Oh, yeah. Because the more, you know, I get anxious about talking because my words might slur or I might trip over a bunch of different things. And then that gets you into a negative feedback loop of I don't want to do that because I feel bad. So I'm not going to do it. So then I withdraw. Yep. And then I get more anxious because I'm not getting stimulated. So it's just a bad. And then you get depressed because you're not being stimulated and you're isolated. Yes. Um, so it's, it's a huge piece. And, you know, just as a little plug, I know I get told all the time that, you know, it's just psychological. Like everything you're experiencing now, it's not your brain injury. It's just psychological. And I think you're kind of writing off people, not you, but healthcare professionals that do that Mm -hmm. are writing off people's experiences and being, you know, you need to acknowledge that all these things happen together. It's no one thing happening in a vacuum. The brain injury caused changes that made it so that you now feel these things. It's not that the brain injury is done. That was a year and a half ago. That's done. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of minimalizing people's experiences Yeah, that's where this whole wellness and appreciating the biological, the social, the psycho, psychosocial, um, and then the spiritual piece, um, which we haven't talked about yet, mm-hmm. but just, you know, acknowledging that all those things exist together and not in vacuums. If we could get healthcare providers to do that, um, would change. It would change healthcare. It would. And, and there are amazing doctors out there that are fighting for that. There are really great doctors out there that are fighting for this. They are working very, very hard behind the scenes, trying to slowly introduce these concepts into, um, you know, into the, the medical world. And they, they themselves have caught a lot of flack. It's, it's amazing to me. Like, and these are 
MDs themselves, and they have gone under attack for, you know, simply showing studies that are showing, look, if we look at the brain a different way, you know, if we do these, a specific scan on the brain that actually can show like the... Um, you know, the actual where these holes are in the brain, which is called the spec scan. So I don't know if you've ever heard of Dr. Amen, but, but Dr. Amen, I'm actually getting a certification from him as well, but he is a psychologist and he is so smart, but he is one of these doctors that is on the front line trying to bring this to the forefront to really show everybody, look, this can be done. Um, you know, we can be doing these spec scans on these patients pretty shortly after they've had, if not right after they've had their brain injury to really see what we can do to, um, to assist them right from the get go. He has caught so much flag. I've never even heard that term. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. A spec scan. So, um, I have the, I would have to look up the actual, um, acronym for, for spec because I don't have it off the top of my head, but, um, yeah, but it's really, I mean, it's really something it's, it's really, really something. And we actually have an Amen clinic here in Reston, Virginia. I'm on the South side, but in the Northern, um, up in the Northern part of the state in Reston, Virginia, there is actually a clinic that does spec scans, but you would think like my whole thing is, why aren't they in the hospital? Like you would think that these kinds of technologies would be mainstream and they're not. So it's, what it's does it show doctors. Like how is it different than a CAT scan or an MRI? Oh, it's, it's very, very different. Uh, a spec scan is a single photon emission computed tomography is what the spec acronym actually stands for. And it's a way for doctors to really look at not only the organ itself, but it also looks at the function as well. Um, and it's really neat because it the pictures actually show where the problems are in the brain. You actually see holes. Like it actually shows up as holes in specific spots of the brain. Um, and then, you know, there's a, there's a protocol, obviously, like once they go through the, the diagnosis, then they work on a treatment plan with you. Again, I don't know if they work with insurance companies. So here, here's the Probably problem. Not. No, because mm-hmm. it's, because it's my philosophy is this. If it's not pharmaceutical run, they don't want it because there's no money. That exactly. Look at where the money is. And then also um, we find in science evidence-based practice, it takes about 10 years to get that into mainstream. Yeah. So just because the research is being done today means 10 years from now in 2032, we're going to just start seeing it emerging in care. So the lag time is just it's tremendous. Awful. And unfortunately, you know, some of that is to our, some of it's good. You know, mm-hmm. we don't want things just flying off the shelves and into our bodies without any research and study behind it. Mm-hmm. But it makes it really hard for those of us trying to get better and to use everything at our disposals when you know, there's a 10 year lag time. Like some of us don't have 10 years to wait for it to be paid for. I know. Um, so it's rough. Yeah. That, uh, that makes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Insurance runs a lot and for good reasons and for bad. Um, Mm -hmm. it's rough. Yeah. (laughs) It it makes a lot of us go to private pay. It does. Which is tough. Like you said, in a brain injury environment, because you aren't making the income you used to make. Right. Yes, I I com- I completely agree. But this is something, um, and like I said, it is. This is a course that I am also working on. I've gotten part of my certification. I'm working on the second half of my certification now as well because I'm so intrigued uh, with his work 
And he definitely, um, I align with a lot of what he does. And um, I just think it's very, very cool. And we do need to um, get this out. Like we need to get this information out to, to more yeah. and more patient patients that can benefit from it. Um, Any way that doctors can quantify what's going on in someone's brain is just going to push, it's going to push the envelope and hopefully make it come out into common practice earlier than 10 years. Yeah. Cause that's the issue with brain injury, right? Is it's invisible. Yes. And doctors have to actually trust what their patients are saying, which they aren't allowed to do in a lot of cases because they are under a time crunch and they don't have time to research why is it they're saying this thing. They need to come up with an answer within 15 minutes and have you on your way with a referral or a pill. Um, so that's just, you know, it, it all feeds into this negative feedback loop of healthcare. It does. Um, but anyway, there is another aspect we haven't talked about, and that's the spiritual. The spiritual aspect, yeah. So the spiritual is, it's basically how we're all connected and, you know, why you're here and what your purpose is, you know, why you're here. And and obviously, spirituality is very, very personal um, for, for each individual. And I think that for me, I am a very spiritual person. So this is a very important part of who I am. And I know that anytime I've gone through my own life crisis, or if a family member has gone through a life crisis, one of the first things that I do is I turn to my spiritual, you know, my spiritual side inside me. And uh, for me, it's prayer and, you know, really reaching out to, to God. But, um, I, there have been many patients that have actually told me that, they have had, once they had their brain injury, they had a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. I did. Yeah. Which, which I find, um, I find so beautiful because I think it's just, again, for me, um, when I talk to my patients about it, it's really solidifying that move toward growth, you know, the growth of your soul of where you are being led, um, you know, so, but those four, I really think that those four aspects of who we are, are so important to really understand. And if you think about it full circle, Hormones impact every single one of them. So hormones impact spiritual too. I've never thought about that connection. Well, because if you think about it, if you, so if you think about how let's do the biological first. So obviously mm -hmm. your, your organs and your glands, right? That's where they begin. That's where they end. They run through your body as chemical signals. Okay. Socially, and this is where your cognition comes in. Okay. So your mood, um, your thinking skills, if you have lower estrogen, I'm just, this is just something that I'm throwing in there. But if you have lower estrogen, women that start to go through perimenopause and menopause, when your estrogen drops, a lot of times we have cognitive issues. We can't think straight. Mm -hmm. We can't think clearly. So again, a direct correlation to, um, hormones. And then once, if that affects your mood, PMS also affects our moods. Um, so if you've already, if you already had, like, let's say you had bad PMS right before, and then you get your brain injury and all of a sudden you're like, um, so my PMSs are worse. What the heck is going on? Like, I'm even more moody now. I'm even more, we see a lot of that because there's more of an imbalance. Um, there might be you have emotional reg dysregulation, which makes it even harder to control your PMS. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. It, 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 nail on the head. And that goes right back. How does that affect your social? 
right? It affects your social, your relationships, you know, there's just no way of getting around it, you know? And then psychological, if your emotions are being affected, well, of course it's going to affect, you know, the way that you feel about yourselves, about how you're feeling about yourself and how you also feel about the rest of the world. So that's a very psychological, spiritual for me, So you might be with me on this. You might not be with me on this and that's okay. But we are energy and everything that happens, every impulse inside of us, when you watch like a neuron fire, what is it fire with light? Yeah, it's a chemical. It's a chemical, but that's also energy. It's an energetic balance within our body. So for me, absolutely, spiritually, it's all encompassed in, you know, in who we are. We are one big, beautiful package of all of these different um, you know, aspects that we, that, that are complicated, (laughs) that are very, very complicated. Um, but that are wonderful too. And if nothing else, I look, I look at things from a perspective and we touched on this briefly at the beginning of the glass isn't half empty. It's half full, you know, you not looking at these, these are everything that's wrong as opposed to, okay, well, what is going right? You know, what, what is going right. And so really touching on the positives and, and I do have my, my patients do that exact exercise a lot of the times Mm. we look at that really official. Yeah. You have to figure out, okay, what skills do I have to help manage me through this period? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the more you're able to identify the skill and practice it, the better you're going to become and the more healing you're going to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, because you have to have that belief in yourself and in your own power or else you're never, you're just stuck. <laughs> you're not moving. It's true. It is. It's, it's yep. very, very true. Okay. My identical twin brother, Luke, suffered a brain injury 10 years ago. I saw firsthand how long and difficult the road to recovery is and how little support is available. Before Luke's injury, we were both engineers at the University of Oxford, and we are now committed to helping others find purpose, fulfillment, and happiness enabled by technology. And we need your help. We're looking for survivors, warriors and family members for feedback and testing to help us build something amazing. And we're not selling anything. Please go to newmind.co.uk forward slash making headway. That is N-E-U-M-I-N-D dot co dot UK forward slash making headway or with no spaces. Hopefully we get to chat soon. Thank you. I want to say for our listeners too, which maybe this is obvious to everyone, but I grew up in a strictly religious home, very religious home. And that um, is actually not spirituality. It can be. It can be. Done correctly. Mm -hmm. But it also can restrain you. Mm -hmm. Um, My spiritual experience with my stroke actually released me from the binds of that religiosity and having to follow this rule and that rule and look this way and that way and do that. And you, you have to, for me, I needed to be released from that to be able to experience all that spirituality really is. Um, because otherwise it was keeping all those rules were keeping me in this little box when really spirituality is so much bigger and greater than that. Yeah. Um, so for anyone that gets turned off by the word spiritual, we're not trying to push down your throat that you need to believe certain things or do certain things. Um, it's actually a lot bigger than that and a lot bigger than you and any man-made, um, ideologies, um, man cannot explain. I don't think we're learning. We're learning how to explain it with physics and everything, but we're not there yet. (laughs) 
Yeah, the the quantum quantum physics, I guess, is what they're you know what what they're really calling it these days, and part of that exploration. I've I've heard and I've read some on that, which is very fascinating and interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, good point because I we are both in this house, like we are spiritual, we are religious, um, and I work to really balance the two with my family so that they can, you know, so that they can understand. One of my things is you can talk to God whenever you want, you know, you can, you can, a prayer is, is talking to him. You know, you can let him know that, you know, Hey, I just want to say thank you because gratitude is a really big thing too. And we do that in this house as well. So, um, um, it's, it is like, it's, it's so much bigger. It's so much bigger than, than we understand, but that is part of why it is part of the four aspects of what I cover. Because like I said, we are energy, we are, ener- we are energetic beings going through a physical experience on this earth. Yeah. I think that's a great way to explain it. And, mm-hmm. you know, spirituality as energy, that's kind of our energy field. Mm-hmm. And everybody has energy or doesn't have energy. <laughs> Most of us are fatigued because we have brain fog and we have brain injuries. We have zero energy, but yet we're still made up of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a great, a great point. And um, I do want to pivot just a little bit. So you use um, Dutch testing, yep. which I understand what that is because I listened to Erin Holt, who's a functional nutritionist, um, and she does a lot with Dutch testing. But I don't think a lot of people probably understand what that is or why they would want to come to you for something like that. Sure. Explain that a little bit. Yeah. So the Dutch test is um, simply a dried urine test that looks at your hormones and you take it at home, which is a beautiful thing. Um, They will the the the, uh, practice the what's the word I'm looking for? Word finding issue. See, I'm a speech therapist and it it even happens to me. Uh, (laughs) um, The the clinic, the Dutch clinic will actually send the test directly to you and then you'll get the package and throughout the day. So you'll test on this basically like a litmus strip. I always kind of compare it to a pregnancy test because you're peeing on a on a little you know, strip of paper. Um, and then you'll set it out to dry and then you'll let them dry. You'll package it up and you'll send it back. It does come with very specific instructions and I help my patients kind of walk through that so that they understand. Cause a lot of times you might have certain questions. My patients kind of all tend to have different questions about what well, can I test if, you know, if, if this is the case, can I test if this is the case? So we kind of walk through that on a patient by patient basis. But the Dutch test is fantastic because what it does, the reason why you're peeing at different times of the day is because it's looking at your hormones at all the different times of the day. So it's looking at your waking hormones when you first wake up in the morning. It's looking at your afternoon hormones. It's looking at your early evening hormones and then your nighttime hormones. Why is that important? Because Uh it's because (laughs) you're, your cortisol, cortisol gets such a bad rap. It really, really does. does. You get, everybody says cortisol, 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 cortisol is this evil, evil hormone. You wouldn't wake up if you didn't have cortisol. (laughs) It's really that simple. (laughs) If your body was not releasing cortisol, you're not waking up. Um, So, and that is part of your adrenal system. So, and, and the Dutch test really does a beautiful job looking at both your sex hormones. So it really analyzes your estrogen your progesterone, your testosterone. Yes, women do have a little bit of testosterone. Um, Certainly not near as much as men, but we do. And men also have a little bit of estrogen, a lot less than women because they're much higher in testosterone. But it looks at your sex hormones, but then it also looks at your adrenals, which is fantastic, which can indicate, it can really point us toward, okay, so if you're experiencing adrenal dysfunction, I'm not really a fan of the word adrenal fatigue. I think it's kind of overused. 
So I like to just kind of call it adrenal. And it's brushed off. It is. By a lot of doctors. Yeah. And so exactly. So if you get the Dutch test and you actually can see on the Dutch test, like, okay, this is your, you know, your 24 hour metabolized cortisol. This is your 24 hour free cortisol. That's the other thing that the Dutch test analyzes. It looks at your metabolized and it looks at your free, um, which is really, really important because as the the practitioner, when I look at that, so free basically means how much is available running through your blood. Okay. Cause hormones just kind of freely roam through your body. So how much of that hormone is available metabolized is how much has been used. Has too much been used? The Dutch is going to show us that has too little been used and the Dutch is going to show us that. So it'll show us kind of where, if it's balanced or if it's too much or it's too, if it's too little, that's one of the things that I love about the Dutch, because when it comes to hormones, it really truly is about balance. And I know that that word gets thrown around here and there, but it really is about, um, is there too much of a certain hormone that's circulating your body? Is there too much estrogen? Well, that would make someone estrogen dominant and they're going to likely have a lot of symptoms that are going to go along with that. Or is there too much cortisol going through their body? And it's, it's also going to show that as well, which may have to do with if you're having trouble falling asleep at night, staying asleep at night. Um, if you're, if when you wake up in the morning, are you waking up with a slight burst of energy? Are you waking up just feeling totally sluggish? And like, I don't even know how I'm going to get through the day. Um, so all of these things can really be pinpointed on a Dutch test, which is one of the reasons why I, I really like to, I really like to use it. So it not only analyzes the sex hormones aspect, but it also looks at the adrenals. So the Dutch test would then to address the, whatever your outcomes are from it. Mm -hmm. Um, is it medicine? Is it lifestyle? It's um, so from, what do you do with that? So it depends on the findings and that's very individual. So hormones are definitely very individual. Um, and I always say that because like I said earlier, if we can try to make lifestyle changes first, then I am all about trying to make lifestyle changes at first. There are some indications on the Dutch test that would warrant an absolute visit to a neuroendocrinologist. Um, so like there, there, there are conditions like Cushing's disease where you're pushing out way too much cortisol. And if we see a certain pattern, then that would be an indication that you need to go to a neuroendocrinologist. Um, or if we're seeing patterns that are consistent with like Addison's disease where you're not, you're, you are way below where your cortisol levels really need to be. So, um, but if we don't see any alarming patterns, then we go for lifestyle changes first. We go, and, and that is all part of my protocols. Like depending on the pattern of what we see on your Dutch test is how we're going to go forward and treat that with the lifestyle changes. Okay. So like dietary, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Is there stuff beyond dietary? Well, I, well, cut out gluten, cut out sugar, cut out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and, and it just, I mean, it doesn't have to be so, it doesn't have to be so extreme. My, my thing is I know from my own personal experience, which I can just speak into is that when I did cut out those things, um, I felt a whole lot better. And for me, that's part of my thing. Like, how bad do you want it? Mm-hmm. You know, how badly do you want to feel better? Because um, I know I was at the point where I was like, I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of this crap. Like, I just I want to feel like myself again. So for me, it was it was totally worth it to to really make those to really make those lifestyle changes. But again, um, it it goes back to those four aspects always goes back to those four aspects. So yes, it is dietary changes, but what else do you have going on in your life? 
you know, like what trying to really sort through, like, what are some of the triggers, you know? So, and, and really kind of diving into that and discussing that and trying to get all of that into, um, perspective. Yeah. So I know you've definitely piqued my interest. I want to learn more about this. Um, we could talk probably all day, but, um, at some point we got to wrap up. Yeah. Um, and I do think now would be a good time, you know, how would people get in contact with you? Um, sure. For those of us who do want to learn more. Sure. So you can actually contact me directly. I am, I have my, uh, business phone number that I give out freely. So that's, um, area code seven, five, seven, and that's five, two, nine, zero, six, zero, zero. And if you call me and we can just set up a, a time, um, and a quiet, you know, moment where we can sit down and we can plan to actually discuss all of this. You can also go to my website, which is coastalstw.com. Um, and you can also find me there and read more about me there as well. Okay. Yep. And I think, um, I think I found you on Instagram. Yes, I am. I'm on Instagram. Do you also use your Instagram? I do. Yeah. I do. And actually right now, like the month of January, I'm, I'm talking all about hormones and how the brain is directly connected to hormone and hormone imbalances and everything. So, Ooh. yeah. Is that something our listeners can go back and listen to? Cause I think, um, yeah, be airing until a few months later. That's fine. Yeah, no. Um, so I'm actually, it's, it's not me talking. They're actually just posts. So you can just kind of flip through the posts and just read all of the different posts that I'm posting on there. There, you know, obviously Instagram is just snippets of information but it gives a general idea of how it's all connected. So awesome. yeah. What's your Instagram page? So it's coastal speech therapy. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Coastal speech Perfect. therapy. Mm-hmm. All right. So for all our listeners wanting to um, reach out, please do, um, you know, as she mentioned, um, if you're in North Carolina or Virginia, yeah. Um, then she can offer the speech therapy aspect. But um, I think, you know, what really makes you uni- unique is that you're willing to look at all those other areas of wellness. Um, and that is something that can happen globally. So right. anybody can reach out for the Dutch testing and the hormones and all of that. So, yes. Yes. Um, I know I have a lot to think about. Um, Dutch testing has been one of those things later, further down on my list of, do I really have the time to commit to dealing with the results of this? But, uh, I might need to, <laughs> I'm burning out my other bridges. I need to figure this out. Yeah. Um, so thank you so much, Michelle, for coming on today. Um, this was an excellent conversation. And we really appreciate you giving all your time and expertise. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. It was a pleasure. Yeah. The time so, is blown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, um, this is a good way to end. Um, so this is Erin signing out from Making Headway Podcast. We'll see you again next time. Bye. Hi, everyone. Making Headway Podcast is just a side project that I love. It's given me a lot of community, along with giving you guys community as well. And I really thank you for supporting me. If you'd like to do something extra, we would really appreciate it. There's a few ways you could help us out. Rate us on your favorite podcasting platform. Share us with friends, family, or anyone that you think might want to listen. Also, clicking on the links in our show notes for Amazon gives us just a small kickback, just enough to help pay those bills. If you wanted to do something more, which we would really appreciate, you can donate at www.makingheadwaypodcast.com. Lastly, we have a Patreon account as well. That's found at www.patreon.com slash makingheadwaypodcast. Anything you can do to support us really helps us out. Thank you so much. We really love you, listeners. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Making Headway Podcast. For more information and show notes, visit makingheadwaypodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. Check us out at Making Headway Podcast on Facebook and Instagram and share with your friends. Catch you next time.
All topics are intended to be used for educational and entertainment purposes only. The podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. Always consult with your healthcare provider for any issues or treatment considerations you may have. For our full legal terms, please see our website at makingheadwaypodcast.com. This podcast was recorded, mixed, and mastered with love at Stout Heart Studios. Sun rises across the ocean.